0: Hi and welcome back to Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous and slightly frazzled women (laughs) who want to get the best out of life. So today's podcast is a subject that actually should affect pretty much everyone. And it's what to do when things go to shit.
1: (laughs) There's no nicer way of putting it or plainer way.
0: Because the reassuring thing in life is that things will go to shit at some point. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, This is reassuring uh, because when things do go to shit, you'll understand it is completely (laughs) normal. Um, But uh, we're here to talk about the fact that when things actually do go wrong, wrong. Uh, We do often get upset because we think, what's wrong with me? What's happening to my life? Why is this happening to me? I'm a total failure. And we're here to say, that's a waste of energy. It's Definitely. not a t- It's not a waste of energy at all, uh, things to go to shit for everybody. So we're here to say how's the best way to clamber your way out <laughs> yes. of the toilet <laughs> and dust yourself down so you start smelling of roses again as soon as possible.
1: I know. And I think if we're honest, you know, with all these people on social media sharing and showing off their success stories these days, it doesn't always show the full picture. And we only see the final showreel on social media. And we don't see the struggle and the mess in the journey. And boy, I think we can safely say we've both had quite a few messes.
0: (laughs) And everyone does. And And we don't just mean the big things. Um, You know, I think between us, we have, uh, I don't know, divorces, gay husbands, (laughs) parental deaths, (laughs) stroppy teenagers. We've had all kinds of
1: stuff. Friendship fallouts. Uh,
0: Business disasters, all the rest of it. But it's also just the smaller everyday stuff moments of feeling low periods where you go low uh, you know we, we work a lot with women who at certain times their life and men actually can go through a bit of a slump yeah. um, we, we think it's been pretty much established that there's no such thing now as the midlife crisis but there is a midlife slump and it, it can feel pretty lonely and isolating um, great plans can go, to, go awry um, just for example at the moment obviously lots of people have plans and things are sorted and the coronavirus might come along and wipe all mm. that out So, you know, life happens. And I think
1: one of the hard bits about um, things going to shit is that we don't have control over it often and that's when it feels all scary and uncomfortable, but we do have control about what we do about it. And I know... And we forget that bit. We really forget that bit. And in fact, it took me a good year when one of the biggest kind of things going to shit in my life when happening. Yeah, <laughs> When the shit hit the van. Lots of use of the word shit. But anyway, <laughs> we'll keep at it. Um, the, I just remember thinking, I can't accept this. <laughs> this. This is not happening to me, which is a classic... Um, Reaction, and um, it's the first kind of line of defense, I suppose, because we feel like, oh my God, we, you know, the success, the results, they're not in our reach, and suddenly there's this big challenge and this disruption to where we think we're going and what the the plan we had laid out for
0: ourselves, and. Um, yeah, I basically... And I think that's one of the things we've talked about before in terms of expectations. Sometimes we, our expectations can be our own worst enemy. Yes. So sometimes our life has gone a bit awry not because I think particularly bad has happened but it hasn't just gone exactly to plan mm. and then there are times when yes really quite distressful or awful or, or sad things happen but talking about the plan I, I'll just quickly tell the story of my first baby um, Daisy um, so being a total perfectionist at the time I'm now for anyone who's been listening to this podcast know that I have been in recovery for some serious time as have I, as yeah. a recovering perfectionist <laughs> but I was then I was still a fully signed up member to Club Perfection so I I decided that, of course, my pregnancy was going to go exactly as mm. I planned. I even had a colour-coded, <laughs> I will repeat, colour-coded uh, birth plan. Um, I would go into labour beautifully. Mm. I wouldn't sweat. I would go in and um, and I had all this way of exactly how it was going to be. Let me just tell you that I still have that color-coded printed-out birth plan, and it has a bloody footprint on it because I ended up being whipped into emergency with an emergency C-section um, and all kinds of drama, loads of drugs, C-section. None of that was in the plan. Mastitis—that um, definitely wasn't in the yes. plan. So you know, I laugh, ha ha ha, at just how life decided to say to me, you know, Alana, you, you can, you can, you can plan all you like, but sometimes it's just not going to go your away and I think it's I know when I
1: had um it was actually my biggest um kind of shit hitting the fan was uh during the recession and uh I was running a publishing company and almost overnight you know ad revenue was just wiped and as everyone kind of cut their budgets and um I I just remember being in this kind of complete panic um but essentially, it wasn't so much even the panic about um, the lack of finances or what we were going to do, because I hadn't even got that far. All I could think about was how I was failing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this, I can't fail, I'm failing. Of course, it wa- you know, I wasn't failing. There was a worldwide recession, but I literally took this huge thing on myself and I ended up with massive anxiety, like palpitations. Constantly, almost couldn't breathe. <laughs> I mean, I look Which back is, and is I completely
0: understandable. It is understandable. But as we now know that when you panic, you don't yeah. make good decisions. You
1: make no decisions.
0: <laughs> yes. And in fact, I
1: I think one of my first bits of advice, really, is that when the shit hits the fan, you know, our natural, you know, we kind of go into panic mode, and really, the first thing we should do is actually nothing. Just stand
0: there <laughs> and let it hit you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> let it all collapse, and then see what's happening. But yeah. you know, fighting it and feeling like a failure which a lot of us do, is one of the biggest mistakes, really. A lot
0: of that is based around shame, isn't Mm. it? And I think, uh, so I think there's probably two main feelings when something goes bad. It could be grief, which is completely a stalling Mm. um, kind of emotion. And I know that for myself. When my third baby was born four days later, my mum had a catastrophic stroke. Um, and I had to discharge myself from one hospital and get to another. And it's that I remember in the week following weeks, not knowing whether she would die and also the whole plan had gone awry. It was that feeling that I I could not control this scenario. The grief was mm. so overwhelming, you couldn't function. And I'm sure for you, when that yes. happened, the panic was so overwhelming, you couldn't function.
1: I, uh, absolutely. And I think for, you know, I'm not exaggerating when I say it was a good year of denial. Yeah. Um Having a face because I kept thinking, well, everyone else seems to be absolutely fine. Why is it just me? I can't tell anyone. They all had the same yeah stock
0: grin on their face. I I'm know, sure.
1: and I couldn't tell anyone, and um, and I didn't whether I could or couldn't. I didn't tell anyone, and I, I this. Panic was inside my mind for a good year. And um, like Alana, my father actually had um, a catastrophic stroke and uh, he died uh, within a weekend. And it, it was kind of like one of those pivotal moments where, again, struck by grief and this failure. And I just thought I cannot take one more thing. And I rang up to get counselling and just to offload Um, some of the shit (laughs) to someone else. And it was the best thing I ever did because it was just, you know, once it's outside your head and you can actually start picking it apart. I just remember sitting in this huge armchair because psychotherapists always have great armchairs um, and just sinking into it with just relief when I could voice what was happening to me and, and her actually going but it's all going to be okay.
0: And what we've both known through our coaching now is that exact thing, that mm. actually sharing uh, and, and, and vocalising and actually accepting. Mm. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're both going to go and, and, and take you through our ideas and plans for what to do when the shit hits the van. <laughs> but I mean, a big part of that is, in the first instance, acknowledging and accepting Yes, that and the shit has hit.
1: <laughs> and I was, uh, you know, struck, like I was just grief-stricken I suppose my, my my dad dying it was it was horrific and uh, I was very very close to him and
0: um and it's so disabling isn't it
1: it's it's just like I I often say to people I didn't read for a year and I'm an avid reader I've mentioned that in another podcast I would read at least a book a week if not more and I could I felt yeah. like I had developed some form of ADHD. My brain was so grief-stricken, it could not actually keep words in my head and I, I did not read a book for a year. And and during that time, um I also could not accept anything. <laughs> the the recession or the death and uh my Poor counselor. I remember her every time I saw her was banging on about acceptance, <laughs> and I was going. I remember thinking, if I accept this, then it's all it's true, real. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I kept thinking, I'm not, I can't, I cannot accept this. And I, I can't. I do remember the day where I finally surrendered to it all, and and the penny the dropped, relief. and I suddenly went, oh, okay. Accepting it just means that I acknowledge that it's actually happening. And then
0: I can do something else. Yes, it. That's
1: yeah. And that was the moment for me that changed everything.
0: So, what are your top tips? So, someone's listening to this now and they're either going through a, 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 a huge period of, of, yeah. of, of huge discomfort and crisis mm. or they're just having a low point when maybe things haven't worked out quite the way they wanted. And that could be a divorce, it could be a relationship, it could be a job, it could be yeah. anything.
1: Well, I think the f- my first tip is, which I just mentioned a minute ago, is do nothing at first. Yeah. You know, often we go into this five. So the reason Netflix month. was invented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: gin. And gin. <laughs> I, after my husband died and, and my mum died within a year, I literally spent a year Netflix, gin and Doritos. <laughs> they were my best friends. (laughs)
1: Sadly, Doritos aren't gluten free, I don't think. So I didn't go. Are they? Oh, God, you shouldn't have told me that. So, yeah, my first tip is to do nothing at first, because what happens is when challenges get in our way, we make them way worse when we react emotionally and we start developing... Um, all these plots and plans, but we're in this heightened state. So non-issues become into issues and then they become big issues. And that feeling is like your brain is basically emotionally hijacked. You're not thinking straight and you start reacting to everything.
0: And you don't always mean to You react need to, to protect things. your future self Absolutely. from your present self by making no big decisions about anything. And that
1: is the thing about the future self. You know, right now, when the minute you're in a crisis, you start all your reactions are your emotional baggage and memory from past events and they're bubbling up and brought into the way you're feeling right now. So often the best thing you can do is listen and wait and think and, and breathe. And get loads of support. Yeah. And don't do anything silly and nothing emotional <laughs> because it really isn't... It Certainly really not 3am <laughs> phone calls. No, don't no drunk dialing anyone. And just taking that breath is often... Um, the best, you know, the best start when the shit hits the fan, because I know um, the other thing that we live with now is this kind of relentless positivity. So, you know, um, I always say, you know, we can't be up as humans 24-7 because we would never appreciate the up if we didn't have the down. Um, so even, you know, in, in times of lowness, sometimes we'll immediately kick into a um, starting to get ourselves out of it or trying all sorts of things to get out of the low.
0: And I think as women, that's something we do quite a lot because we we feel that we have to keep performing for all the people that we Mm. look after. And, you know, I... I when i work with some with with some of my clients i try to get them to understand that they are on a spectrum of a dimmer switch so when we're performing and and i don't mean performing as in like a monkey i mean <laughs> you're 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 rearing your kids doing your daily tasks doing your daily tasks you're going to work you're doing the stuff um, and you want of course to be on full blast but there are just some days when your dimmer switch is turned down a little low or you can stay high but as soon as you get into a space Allow yourself to turn that dimmer switch down. Allow yourself to feel low. And that's when you can re-energise and re-boost. Mm. And I suppose I've come
1: to not welcome those days because none of us want to have the kind of eh uh, day. But actually, I actually will say to myself, OK, this is one of those dimmer days. Meh days. I'm, dimmer, I'm having a dimmer yeah. day. And I'm OK with it. And I think, right, I know what it feels like. And
0: it's such a release to be able to say I'm having yes. a dimmer day.
1: Yeah, and that it's OK. Yeah. And it's normal and it's human. And I think that's probably, God, I would never have. I'd been like, you know, bouncy, like Tigger to get myself out of it, not acknowledging any of the feelings or the tiredness or anything. And and I would be literally trying to find every possible solution to remove all the feelings I had from the situation. But now I'm actually okay with going, Okay, I'm a bit tired. It's not so great today. I'm just going to do what I feel like. And that's all I can do.
0: Yeah, And then acknowledge with the people around, because again, this is something I learned, is, uh, you know, I, I single parent, three kids. And some days you want, you think that you have to be on. And it's it's not mm. a case of you're walking around with your comfort blanket in your dirty pyjamas, you know, <laughs> with pizza stuck to the inside your bra. It is about just saying. Uh, what an image. <laughs> what an image. I was there. Um, it's just the fact that you might s- sort of acknowledge and just say, mm. ah, I'm just not as on, on today. So I'm still going to function and give you dinner and give you hugs. and I'm absolutely here for you. But, you know, what? I'm just not going to be quite as bright as I normally am. And I just need this little period of time, this day to kind of re-energize and reboot a little bit. And then they understand that your reaction to them isn't personal. Oh,
1: and just on that as well, with uh, my two teenagers at home, you know, I have this thing where I love cooking and I love cooking meals from scratch. And it's one of my real mom things, nourishing everyone and making these lovely dinners. And, and yeah, you have one of those days. And I used to always think, oh, God, now I'm not going to cook a dinner and I'm, I don't feel I'm like a cooking failure. a dinner. And then I'd go, who wants an omelette? And my kids are like, yay, omelettes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the quickest meal ever invented, the ultimate fast food. And I'm going, OK, they well, actually I do don't. Careful full
0: of you know uh, Marks and Spencer occasionally <laughs> because there's just days when you go that that effort it's just is just too step. much for me yeah
1: yeah yeah and I think it's okay you know I think I suppose we've both got to the point now where we can laugh and acknowledge that we're this is the day I go around the house going today I'm not Superwoman and I get all the eye rolling like you're not Superwoman any other day either but um, you know it just or makes I tell my <laughs> girls I'm a
0: recovering perfectionist and Daisy well just for today can you be a perfectionist because the place needs hoovered. <laughs>
1: Yes, there's always the critic. It's not the inner critic we live with.
0: It's <laughs> the teenage critic. Yeah. So, so you've said um, do nothing. Do nothing.
1: Yeah. So my second one um, is actually a podcast. We've done a podcast on this. Be thankful. It's so crazy to think in all the chaos and struggle that you could be thankful. But yes, you can actually look at it and accept it's happening and then that you actually have a chance to fix it. You get the opportunity to improve something. You get the chance to turn things around, to serve someone, to solve the problem, that it's OK and you're actually lucky that it's it's a gift. And if you're still you may alive... It may
0: take a wee while for that gift. It, to, it does.
1: But I think just even being able to switch a little bit and go, it doesn't always feel easy. But it feels great and dilutes your challenges so that you kinda go, Okay, I always say what's the worst that could happen? Um and you know, really, um, it's very rare that someone would die when we have these big struggles, you know, and um there they're obviously if there if it is a death in the family, that is, mm-hmm. you know, such a wrench for us. But generally when we're in struggle, it's something that we can just take a breath and go, Okay, it's actually not that bad. Mm-hmm. After you've done nothing, because the minute you start reacting emotionally, you know, you just lose it. So it it switches your brain into a A place where you're feeling a little bit more in control. Basically, yeah. So following on from that, one of my things is the list, all the upsides. Is it colour coded? (laughs) I'm not as nerdy as Alana about the colour coding. (laughs) I'll admit that now. Um, But looking at the upsides... um, When we're down, all we see is the downsides. I'm going to buy
0: you a set of coloured
1: pens. (laughs) Thanks. It makes life so much easier, a set
0: of coloured pens. (laughs) I have
1: colour post-its, but not coloured pens. Um, So, yeah, you know, it's that thing of um, acknowledging that, you know, when we're high and happy and up, all we see are the upsides. And the reality is there's a downside and an upside in every situation. And you have to look for balance. And it's so... Hard when you're in In the shit, in the shit (laughs) that to actually feel that, and you know, I suppose uh, when I was doing this podcast, you know, it's that thing of like there's always opportunity and failure. Um, and I think uh, there's that Winston Churchill quote, I'm not actually sure if he said it, but you know, the way is it a legit quote, but you know, um, success is going from failure to failure until you get success. Um, I think when you're in the shit, sometimes it's a good time to list all the positives in the challenging situation and um, new it just helps opportunities. You get doesn't yeah, it? so yeah. you suddenly open up and you go,
0: okay, it's actually not that bad because you can see that with people who don't have a lot of resilience or and, and even teenagers who haven't learned that stuff yet. Yes, when it's bad. Everything is bad. Is oh, that it's that catastrophizing yeah. and generalizing that, you know, if one aspect of your life is bad, then everything is bad. Well, As I opposed would... to realizing that it's this, this section is bad, but let's look at what else we have that's going on.
1: Yeah. And I'm just going to say, talk about teenagers not learning that. I think I hadn't learned that by 40 when, yeah. I, when yeah. I had my crash. I, I don't think I had that resilience. It was buried so deep inside me that I couldn't see any And that's why we do this
0: podcast because we've been through the shit. We've waded, swam, eaten, wiped ourselves down. (laughs) Um, And and one of the things that we've learned from that is that perspective actually makes all the difference because if you're not getting perspective, all you're doing is wallowing in the shit. Mm. And nobody wants to wallow. You want to be able to wear it a little bit, stink Mm. of it a little bit, but keep going.
1: And I think we were saying this just before we came on air, you know, the joy of kind of stepping out of it and of course the joy of a bit of perspective is I don't think either of us would go back and change any one thing that bad that happened to us because we wouldn't be sitting here chatting to you now.
0: And that includes some real pain. Really. Real extreme pain. Yes, yeah. And that's because I say th- and I, yep, we, we were just literally talking about that and the fact that I, I, there are times i i couldn't can't even allow my mind to go back to some of my really painful mm. times because it was it was so painful, but actually, I understand that that is if without any of it, I wouldn't be exactly around today and there's a reason for that, and there's a reason why there's another word for shit, which is manure mm. and there's a reason why that is put on the ground because things blossom better. Yes. when they have the nutrients and they have the the special impact that that stuff has and um i i am stronger and better and more powerful now because i was reduced so much because mm. of pain and loss and grief and anger Um, And a lot of us, I mean, that is why so many people, when they have been through traumatic experiences, there's a thing, you know, we spent a lot of years talking about um, post-traumatic stress. Mm. And actually what psychologists have done a lot of work over the last 10 years is recognising that there's actually a very more powerful thing called post-traumatic growth. Mm. And post-traumatic growth is this... Phoenix rising from the ashes, that's not to say that those ashes are not painful. We're not yeah. suggesting for a second that you don't feel the pain. But when you rise up out of it, you are a much stronger, more beautiful, powerful person.
1: I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, when I, whenever I think back to those times um, now, I can acknowledge how, you know, when you're standing in the burning building and you're feeling like the heat is so painful the smoke is choking you your eyebrows are singed and you're literally trying to find an escape um, it feels like it's never going to end but the minute you break through those doors yeah. and you f- can inhale the air again you remember that actually you can survive and you got out of it and, and that would kind of um, lead on to to one of my other tips which is asking for help Again, something I struggled, as I said, I think it took me a whole year, and my dad dying to finally go right. That's it. This is ridiculous, um, and uh, not suffering alone. And I, I think I put myself through an unnecessary year in a way um, by not sharing or asking for help. And you know, you can get solutions. Tell me what would
0: happen if someone asked you for help, Maria? Would you well, put the phone down and go, what a loser?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, of course I wouldn't. And I think that is the biggest thing, that the solutions from people who aren't in the fire is, you know, the, where the start.
0: Because they can see, you can't see for the smoke.
1: Yeah, and we're all good coaches of other people, but we're not all so good at coaching Which ourselves. Which why coaches have coaches. <laughs>
0: yes, and asking for help
1: is not weakness. You know, yeah. that is one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And I think now... Um. You know, there's some days I ring you or I ring my friends and I have a right old moan and I'm over it. You know, it's like, oh, I can offload. And it's, this. you know, same and for my good friends. the thing about
0: doing it is that, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, I think uh, you had come to me a couple of times about something and then I texted you because I felt... Mm. Right. Um are you free? Could I offload this? Yes. And I did. And then you just you know, it's that's what makes connection and good friendships is a yes. give and take.
1: Yeah, and, and understanding that it's that thing, it's it's what we're saying, you know, you're not in the fire. So just by sharing your problem, someone else who is just that little bit removed from it can go, but hold on a second, yeah. what about X? What about Y? And and it's suddenly you you get someone else's perspective and it helps you. And I suppose um, you know, seeking out people who are experienced in the areas you're struggling in. Make sure you're asking the (laughs) right people. (laughs) So they know what they're talking about. The people who find it easy to do what you're finding hard. So, you know, I'm a massive fan of um, good counselling. And I say good counselling because I know that it's not a regulated profession and I would really advise you to, um, you know, go to the professional bodies and find uh, an approved or accredited counsellor if you are struggling. Someone who's been recommended and um and actually you don't you know i think there's this picture of therapy being years and years but you know sometimes it might just be a couple of sessions, sometimes it might be longer depending on what you want to do but you will get such relief
0: And I think it is, I mean I'm a great convert as well, everything from coaching, CBT therapy to psychoanalysis, I mean there's, there's such a spectrum There is and psychoanalysis is obviously something where you go very deep and regress mm. and then there's therapy and then there's CBT which is just about behavioural change and then mm. coaching which helps you focus on sort of changing thoughts and behaviours around stuff So there's a spectrum depending on what your needs are but I think everyone should have it from school onwards, because I think finding that neutral and all it really is, and I've certainly had it and it's changed my life. It's a neutral space Mm -hmm. where, especially for women and parents and all the rest of it, it's a neutral space where you can offload what's going on in your mind without having to protect the person you're talking to, Mm. because often we're protecting somebody else's feelings. We're not telling the whole truth because we don't look, look bad. We don't want to talk badly about our child or our partner or our colleague or whatever it might be. So that neutral space where you have no obligation to protect the person you're talking to allows you to have a really uh, confident, open place and safe space to talk.
1: And it just means you're not suffering alone. And, you know, if you can be brave and reach out, um, you're also... Acknowledging, and, and I think it's fair enough to say we all need help sometimes, and you know, well, some it's, of us more than <laughs> <yeah>. others, <laughs> and it's a gift you can give to others to We're enable them to do good yeah. and help you. So yeah. it's never, you know, this one sided feeling. So, asking for help, I, I just yeah. really believe if you can be brave and do it, it will be well worth the relief you feel afterwards.
0: Um, are those yours? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, mine aren't dissimilar, but uh, in terms of my tips for when things hit. And I think both Marie and I are in a space where we understand that when you've gone through something, you can often feel like there is no way out. And I suppose mm. the first piece of advice we'd both give to anyone is if you're in a bad place and a bad space is there will be another day mm. and um, and it will get better and uh, I'm now in a place where I can use all of my experiences to help and support other people and then I know that in the future, there'll be days when I'll need help again. And that's mm. it's a cycle. And as long as you have your your, your sort of tribe. So, um, yeah, I've I've kind of I've three and my, I've linked them into my three T's for trouble. When you get into trouble, there are three T's mm-hmm. you can do. One is around your thoughts. One is your tribe. And the third is tasks. So the thoughts, similar to what you say, is. Don't believe your own thoughts, Mm. okay? because you, we all, our brains have a a, a tendency, especially under the fight and flight mode, which is to bypass the rational, non-emotional part of our brain and go straight to the panicked, highly emotional reaction. So part one of the thoughts is don't listen to all of yours. Give yourself that space to rationalise and and suggest is this thought serving us. But then the wider part of that is using your thoughts to support you, getting perspective, gratitude about what you do have and understanding that uh, you may not be able to control the situation, but you can control how you respond to the situation. And that is the key to everything. And my second uh, T is tribe. And again, we, we... often have an issue with this because of shame or feelings of failure or embarrassment or not thinking anyone will understand. Mm-hmm, definitely. Or the saddest thing I heard recently with the Caroline Flack situation was that she had said she thought she was a drain on people around her. Your tribe are there for a reason. Mm. You, I'm sure, have supported people in your life morning, noon and night because that's what we tend to do. They will only want and be glad to be there for you. Um, So your tribe or your family and your friends who would only be too willing to help. And um, I know when I had crisis after crisis after crisis for a period of time, losing both my mother and my marriage in the space of a year. I reached out to so many people, and yes, of course there were times when I felt, oh geez, I just can't ask again or I can't oh, ring no. up again. I'd literally go through, well, I talked to her. Yes, I told her who else could I ring who I haven't moaned to this week? Oh, no. But the thing is, it goes around, mm. and suddenly somebody rings you. You realise, oh, I must be getting better because they're coming to me for advice now. Yes, your tribe are there for a reason. Tribes are there for survival, and if you don't use them well. Um, it's a very isolating place to be and you won't recover half as quickly as you if you do unless you use your tribe. So one is your thoughts, second is your tribe and the third one is tasks. We often feel powerless uh, in a situation with crisis and the thing is to get yourself to a space as quickly as possible where you are back in control mm. and that's going back on your thoughts. Um, once you accept the situation and often we spend too much time fighting what we have to accept, Accept as quickly as possible the reality of your situation and then quickly move into what can you control and what can you influence Um, and be as proactive as possible. Because I think there's nothing worse, nothing worse than feeling powerless. Um, And that can be really difficult. You know, when my mum had her stroke, I sat with the stroke part of it for so long Mm -hmm. and then I got myself through that and realised, okay, now how can I make the best of the situation? And sometimes people think accepting just means that you've kind of bypassed it or you've moved on. It's not. Yeah. I could grieve over my mum's stroke and the fact that she was brain damaged, and, and 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 or the fact that my husband had left, or whatever it might be. But I'm not moving when I'm in that space. Yes. As soon as I accept that this happened, okay, now what can I do to make this as positive as possible, even though it's really, really crap, really, really crap. So uh, and that gives you back in a position of power doesn't take away the pain, but it does give you that feeling suddenly that you're back in charge. Mm-hmm. So tasks is about understanding where you have the power to make decisions and how you can make a bad situation not better, but at least acceptable to you.
1: And I think there's there's a great um description in the book by facebook um, i can't remember what her, Cheryl sheryl Ch- sandberg. sandberg and she she's a book called option b and it's basically when you're Brilliant. facing yeah. adversity and how to build resilience and she has a, a comment or a quote in there about post traumatic growth and that's when you know you're suddenly shaking off the shit and thinking okay i'm i'm moving on now i found some help i'm I'm getting some perspective and I'm doing something about it. And she's saying, you know, post-traumatic growth can take different forms, you know, and suddenly you find your personal strength, you know, so that you suddenly Stop yeah. that awful helpless and it's not feeling. Not by
0: ignoring the grief. So she no. that, So that quote plan B came from obviously her husband died very suddenly, yes. and about a few months later, one of her sons there was, there was something happening, and, and a family friend came around. I think I think there needed to be a father at yes. this event. It was yeah. a sports event, and he came in. and He said, "Plan A yeah. was that your husband is here. Yeah, we're all grieving." plan A isn't yeah. the reality. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're going to kick the shit out of plan B. Yes, And that was such an important thing. And again, that goes back to you're not by accepting the situation. You're not putting it aside. Yeah. You're accepting it, but going, OK, what else can I do, though? How can yes. I kick the shit yeah. out of plan B?
1: And that's where the growth comes in then, because you're, so, you're acknowledging that there is shit it's happening and what you can do about it and you suddenly start gaining appreciation for things you start forming deeper relationships because you're sharing with your friends and you're allowing them to hold you and help you you know and often we you know when bad things happen to us we discover how much more meaning there is in life and that there are other possibilities out there and and it takes time to find and to get to that space but You know, with help and talking about it, you can get there quicker. And suddenly there will be that one day, you know, a bit like you said there, Alana, where you wake up and you go, oh, okay, I'm actually not feeling so bad today. And um, that's the start of the beginning.
0: And it is just about, so, you know, for five years, we cared for my mum after her stroke. Every other weekend, going up to Belfast, where she was, she was bedridden and bedbound. It was awful. Mm. But we ended up, we got her dressed up. We got her around to Dublin at one point. We got her in a car. We got her in, um, she was in a, a wheelchair sort of two hours a day, hoisted. She couldn't obviously move. We ended up buying a car that could get her wheelchair into it so we could take her out. We made the best. We kicked the shit out of mm. Plan B even though obviously our hearts, we wanted Plan A mm. which was her being a vibrant, active part mm. of our family. She couldn't be Plan A, so we had we kicked the shit out of Plan B, and it is it is that piece that will make the difference between you surviving something
1: mm. and
0: learning to thrive in something.
1: And I think I rem- I very clearly remember when I was going through the the bad times that I kept looking back to the me that was, you know, competent or what I felt was competent, capable, sorted, organised. And I kept wanting to go back to that me. And I, I felt like I was in a hole. And I can remember the day when I suddenly realised that I would never go back to that me, that I would only go forward a with, a, yeah, with a new kind of superwoman me because I had, you know, come through it and I'd survived and I'd got help and I'd uh, found my good friends. And I just remember that day of just, you know, and it is slowly, little things suddenly you feel less like you're trapped and more like I can handle this. And then you realize that actually you are stronger than you think you are and you can do this.
0: And that is one of the most magnificent gifts that any we talked about this before and I'm sure if anyone was listening to this how can you find gift in pain mm. that is the we're not saying you'll find it immediately but absolutely I look back now and I'm pretty much sure I can survive most things yes and uh and that is a gift because yeah. I'm my far more courageous I'm far more confident I'm far more uh kinder to myself Um, And I'm far more resilient because of what I went through. And you won't feel it at the time, but every experience in life has the power to improve us Mm. or reduce us. And actually, it's often the situations that we think are reducing us are actually the ones that are going to empower us eventually. Definitely. What a great way to end. So when things go to shit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Stink for a while, You'll but you be, will come out smelling of roses eventually. You will. Just and stick with it and be kind and look after yourself.
1: Yeah, and, I, and again, just to end this, if any of this has uh, had an effect on you, you know, there's loads of um, services and support services out there and you can, if you Google them, you know, there's there's a lot of low cost and other kinds of services available
0: uh, if you need help. But talking is the only way to get through a lot of these things. Definitely. Right. Until next time, between you and me,